Well, today we come to the end of our journey through 1 John. And I hope this has been true for you, but for me it's been a blessed journey. It's been a journey that has encouraged my faith. I realize that I get more into it than you do. I live with this stuff and you just get it for 20, 25 minutes, you know, once a week. But I just, I just am I'm grateful for what the Lord has shown me all over again as we've gone through this, to, on this journey together through 1 John. This morning we come to chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. It's the last chapter in this little letter that, that the Apostle John wrote to his brothers and sisters in the churches in Asia Minor scattered out there just to encourage them in their faith. <clears throat> I was going to talk about God being the final judge today. But as I reread this passage of Scripture, uh, John chap- 1 John chapter 5, I just felt led to go in a little bit of a different direction. In chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about. Um, we could talk about, for example, what, is it, what does John mean in, in verse 6 where it says, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. We could talk about that for a while. Basically what John is saying, that Jesus came and was baptized and was crucified, water and blood. We could talk about what that means for a while. We could also talk about the verse that John writes in chapter 5 that gives the reason for his letter. In verse 13, it says, this is why John wrote this to them and to us even today. Verse 13 said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, that you may know, so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, John was of the opinion, apparently, that we could know that we have eternal life. John was of the opinion and had probably obviously experienced it himself that you can follow Christ in such a way that you have absolutely no doubt that you have eternal life. My question is, do you know? I mean all of you. Do you know that you have eternal life? We could probably stay right there for a while. And then there's those two troubling verses, or curious verses, maybe is a better way to say it. Verses 16 and 17, where John says, there is sin that leads to death, and then there is sin that does not lead to death. What in the world is he getting at there? People, people for centuries have argued about what does John mean about, mean about that, with that. Sin that leads to death and sin that does not lead to death. Well, before we go any farther with that, let's not kid ourselves. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Can you say that with me? The wages of sin is death. One more time, just make sure I get it. The wages of sin is death. So John, what do you mean sin that does 
not lead to death. Some believe he's talking about sin that leads to death as deliberate sin. As, as for example, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter, chapter 5, when, when they sold one of the pieces of land that they had and brought the money to the disciples for the cause, you know. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 45, I believe it is, the people are selling their possessions and giving to the poor and giving to the needy and giving to each other as they have need. And Ananias and Sapphira were part of that. And so they sold a piece of property in Acts chapter 5, gave the money to, to Peter, laid it at his feet. And Peter says, Ananias, thank you. Is that all of it? Oh, yeah, Peter, that's, that's all of it. And Peter said, Ananias, you just lied to God. And as soon as Peter said that, Ananias dropped over dead. He had held some money back from himself and said, no, I've given you all the money. He lied. The moral of the story is, be careful what you do with your money. (laughs) I love that part. But anyway, three hours later, Sapphira shows up, Ananias' wife. She didn't know what went on. She didn't know that Ananias had already bought the farm, so to speak. So she comes in and Peter says, Sapphira, thank you for the gift. Did you bring it all? Oh, yeah, we gave it all to you. Yes, it's all there. Use it however you want. Peter says, Sapphira, you just lied to God. Boom, she fell over. She lied and she died. That was the end of her. It is, it, it's, it's a simple story that, that illustrates the, the truth of this verse. The wages of sin is death. So, John, what is the difference? Well, some people say the difference is deliberate sin like Ananias and Sapphira over against undeliberate sin or sin that was not deliberate like Jasmine taking the apple. It was wrong. And John tells us that all wrongdoing is sin. It needed to be forgiven. But some say that there's the difference between something you meant to do and something you didn't mean to do. Whatever John meant here, here's the deal. The only sin that does not lead to death is sin that is forgiven. Let me say that once more. The only sin that does not lead to death is sin that has been forgiven. So the key here in all of these, in all these verses, in verses 16 and 17, is repentance. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We could stop there for a while and just kind of hang in there and talk about that. At the end of verse 20, at the very end of verse 20, it says this. John writes this, He is the true God and eternal life. Therefore, John is ending his journey with us as he began his journey. When we first talked the first week of our journey through 1 John, we talked about God is life. And now here we are at the end. John is bringing us all the way back and saying, brothers and sisters, don't forget, God is life. Life. He's abundant life. You want to have a fulfilled life on earth? Embrace God. Go with God. He's life. He is eternal life. You want to know where you're going? You want to know that you have eternal life? Embrace God and all there is to Him. God is life. 
That's what I want to talk about this morning, just a little bit. And, in the, and as we talk about that this morning, let's go back to the first few verses of chapter 5. Just the first few verses. In those first few verses of chapter 5, John says something interesting. He gives us three characteristics of a person that is born of God. Three characteristics of someone who walks in the light, or walks as Jesus walks, or lives in God's love. He gives us, at the end, as he's closing up the journey and bringing us in for a landing, he says, here's the three things I really want you to get. This is what it's all about. You want to know what it means to be born of God? Here's three things. The first one is this. If you are a child of God, here's a characteristic that is absolutely true about you. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. If you claim to be a follower of God, you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hey, Pastor Chuck, check that off, I believe. Well, before we go on to the second characteristic, I want to make sure that we are all on the same page with what it means to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, in the first century here, the people that John is writing to, John knew that when someone in that time said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it meant something. See, these were Jewish people for the most part. And their, their society had rejected Jesus Christ. Their religious system that they grew up with, that, that, that identified them, had rejected Jesus Christ. So when somebody that he was writing to has come out to say, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God, I believe that, it meant that they that they they changed their relationship with their society it meant it changed their relationship with their religious system it meant that it changed their relationship with their friends it meant in many cases they lost their family because they made that testimony i believe in short when they said i believe that jesus christ is the son of god it rocked their world it turned everything upside down. It wasn't just a phrase to them. It was a total change of life. It put them, they put themselves on the line for saying that. Jesus is the Son of God, I believe. Everything changed after that. In our world today, not so much. You know, in our world today, in our country today, <laughs> you know what? You can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and it doesn't have to change much of anything in your life. You just say it. Everybody, most everybody's going to say, oh, that's nice, good, great. It doesn't have to change anything for me to say, I believe. But for them, what John was saying is that if you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, everything will change. My question for us this morning is, 
Has everything changed in your life because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You know what happens, I think, too much? Is that we are connected to what I will call a cultural Christianity. Some 90% of people in America believe. And the rest of them are kidding themselves. You know, we just believe. I mean, people in America believe. We are a Christian nation. I mean, and we're all over that. Okay, great. I'm into that. But it doesn't change much. I mean, look at us. Look at America. If we truly were a Christian nation, we would have the power of God all around us, all over us, all through us. We would be going out and changing the world. Our morals would be where they should be. It wouldn't be hard to figure out who to vote for, would it? If we truly were people that believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. This isn't a cultural thing, brothers and sisters. This is something that can get down or should get down in the depths of your soul and change everything. For them, their entire support system would often crumble just because they said, I believe. How about you? You see, let's be honest. This following Christ stuff, I mean, I mean, let's just let's be honest. There's really more to it than we've put into it, isn't that right? There's really more to it. I mean, for most of us, we have just barely scratched the service end. Hey, good enough. And I say, let's get sick of that, and let's plunge in today and be made complete. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Everything changes. The second characteristic that John talks about, if you are born of God, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are walking in the light, walking as Jesus walked, living in the love of God and all of that, the second characteristic that will be obvious in your life and mine is that you will love God and love your neighbor. Anybody disappointed I'm bringing that up again? It's not me, it's John. He's bringing us in for a landing here in our journey, and he's saying, hey, let me just tell you one more time, here's where the proof is in our spiritual pudding, brothers and sisters. This is where the rubber meets the road. Love God. You see that new plaque up there? Love God and love your neighbor. Pastor Chuck, Check the first one, I believe. Hey, you know what, Pastor Chuck? I could check the second one. Hey, I love God. I love everybody in the world except her. I love everybody in the world except him. And then there's this this sound from heaven. Wrong! You don't get to make that decision. You don't get to make that choice who you love and who you don't love. When we are followers of God, we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. 
We don't choose who we love and who we don't love. We don't choose who we turn our backs on and write off. We don't do that in the body of Christ. Now, having said all of that, I'm not totally naive. I know that it's hard to love each other. Sometimes it's hard for me to love you. And I know for some of you it's hard for you to love me. I know that. But that's the way life is. We have personality differences. You know, last week you ticked me off or I tick you off and it's hard to get past that. I understand all of that. But you see, brothers and sisters, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that is working in us and through us. And we love God. And we love our neighbors. And when it comes the time in our lives when there's some person over here that I just can't hardly stand, has done something terrible to me, or somebody that I want to, if I could, I'd write off, I would wring their necks if I could. When we get to that point, because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, because we love God with all our heart, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, we spend time on our face before God, praying, God, I can't love this person in my own strength. God, would you lavish your love on me so that I can love this person? No, no, no. So that you can love this person through me. Lord, I don't want this to be an obstacle in my life. I don't want this to be between my soul and the Savior. Lord, will you help me love this person? And Lord, if it kills me, I'm going to love this person by your grace. I refuse to write people off anymore. I'm all about, Lord, I'm all about you using me as an example to show people around me how people in the kingdom of God love. Look, look, look how they love one another. I can't believe it, and it draws me to Christ. You shouldn't love her. You remember what you know? Do you know what she did to you? You shouldn't love him. You remember what he did? I know, I know. But you see, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when Jesus Christ was here, he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. The people that put him up there the most, the most unfair thing that ever happened on the face of this earth. And yet he showed me what it looks like to love. And he said, pick up your cross and follow me. And that's what I'm going to do. I mean, with his help, I can only do it with his help. Move on, Pastor Chuck. All right. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. And the last thing. The last characteristic that John tells us about somebody that is born of God is this. God, or people like those people, people like us, obey God's commands. Verse 3. We obey God's commands. It's a characteristic of people that follow Christ. Not just the commands that fit your lifestyle. He's talking about all the commands that God uses to fit you for. You see, God created us to live in obedience to Him, with Him. 
Now, he has to do works of grace in our lives. We have to walk in the light and all that. But we were built to be obedient to the Father. He, we, we were built for that. And so when we, when we are click, click, clicking on all cylinders spiritually, John says, obeying these commands is not burdensome. It's not a burden. It's a joy. Because, man, this is what I was created for. I believe. I love. I obey. In Second John, John says, walk in obedience. <laughs> Verse 5, John says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and let me add these words, and lives like it. Father, does, does any of this describe me? Believe, love, obey. Does, that, does it describe me at all, Lord? Would you search me, O oh Lord? Know my heart. How about these folks, Lord? I mean all of them. All of these folks. Does it describe them? Believe, love, obey. Father, we humbly bow before You, realizing our desperate need for You. Lord, we really want to get this. We want to be the true body of Christ right here in Fort Wayne. We want to be a part of the true body of Christ. We want You to use us in ways, Lord, that we can't even imagine right now. Because we believe, we love, and we obey. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, all of us today. I ask, Lord, that You would fill us with Your Spirit. We lift You up, Jesus. We honor You. We glorify You. We worship You. In spirit and in truth. This morning, the last few minutes, I just want to pray for us. Continue to pray for us. We just have a few minutes. Perhaps, perhaps you would like to come and, and just kneel here. Maybe, maybe you say, oh, I want to get serious. I mean, uh, there's somebody that I just can't love. I just hard. Lord, help me. But there's a couple of things I haven't been able to obey you in, Lord. Would you just help me in that? Or Lord, I want to believe in Christ in a way that rocks my world. Maybe, maybe you'd like to come and pray something like that. I would invite you to come as we pray. Perhaps some of you would like to come and pray for our country. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit in nine days. We have an election. We need, we need to pray for our country. Or maybe you have a heavy burden on your heart. If you want to come as we prepare to continue in prayer, come at this time. Yes, Lord.